0: for now about 10 more weeks so there's that in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy ghost amen which is easier to say your your sins are forgiven or to say rise and walk but that you may know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins we can look at the healing in the gospel today, Jesus, a paralyzed man, that's what the palsy means, sick of the palsy, he's paralyzed, he comes to Jesus, and Jesus heals him of that paralysis. We can look at this in three ways, at least. One is, is a miracle of healing. There's a paralyzed man, Jesus heals him, and he shows authority over sickness, and also over sins, because he connects the two. And that's significant since All human sickness is ultimately traced to the reality of our fallenness and our sin. So the healing of our sinfulness is always connected to our physical healing. It's not necessarily true that every sickness we have is a result of the specific sin we ourselves have committed. That's a more nuanced question. That's one way to look at it, authority over sin. Another way is an image of resurrection or future healing. Jesus says to this man, rise and walk. And he is made whole, and this looks to the future, the end of time. Jesus will come again. He will issue a command to all the dead in Christ. He will say, rise, and will rise up to the fullness of new life. Another way to look at this healing is to look at it as symbolic of the spiritual life, our spiritual healing. We, in Christ, are are told, your sins are forgiven, rise and walk. And as we rise and we walk in a new way, the New Testament uses this word walk to describe our manner of life. And our epistle today kind of describes that transformation. We're not supposed to walk as the Gentiles walk. That means the people who don't believe, uh, speaking to the new Israel, in the vanity of their minds, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God. This condition of separateness from God is a kind of paralysis. When our sins are forgiven and we rise and walk in Christ, we live in a new way. Now we can walk in love. We can walk in the Spirit. We can forgive. We can, uh, we can serve others where before we simply were selfish and served our own interests. We can imagine what this healing in the Gospel looked like Jesus said to this man, rise and walk. But he still had to begin to get up. He had to, on that command, use his muscles and stand. And then he had to begin to slowly walk and and learn what that was again. We're not told how long he was paralyzed, but he had to learn some things he hadn't done for a while. We can imagine he looked awkward in some of his first attempts to walk. And then it's also interesting to know or to think about, to meditate, what does his subsequent life look like? He went home. He now had the ability to work, where before he didn't have the ability to work. He now, new horizons were open, and we have no idea exactly how he, he acted out on that. Jesus gave him forgiveness and freedom, but he had to... It's up to him to respond to that freedom by acts of the will to live in a new way, to live in that grace he'd been given. We can compare, to to, to get an idea of what I'm getting at, this healing with the healing of the man by the pool of Bethesda in John's Gospel. Jesus said to that man, Do you want to get well? And the implication was that that man rather liked the self-pity that his infirm state afforded him. He liked to say, Oh, nobody can get me into the water. I I can't get well. But he didn't necessarily want to because he enjoyed that condition. When Jesus healed him, he took away his excuses. And when Jesus saw the John 5 man in the temple later on, he said, See, you have been made well. Beware uh, lest lest you sin and fall into something worse. So, in other words, the point is, that forgiveness and the healing of our souls set us free from captivity to guilt, and even sometimes in, in our bodies allow us to do new things, but then we have to, by our life, by our acts of the will, actually live that out. Are we examples in the gospel of people who did and people who did not? And if we don't actively live that out, we fall back into the behavioral paralysis of the old man. Jesus says to each of us, your sins are forgiven. Rise and walk. As we receive this forgiveness, we have new power and freedom. We must put this into practice by actually getting up, rising and walking. Tomorrow, as we go about our day, instead of acting selfishly out of the old sense of guilt or selfishness, now we have to practice doing good to others. And that takes an act of the will. It doesn't just happen. And there's still the old impulses we have to fight fight against. And this is, so the fullness of new life always combines these two. Your sins are forgiven, rise and walk. There's a common error in our culture that sees forgiveness of sins as kind of a, uh, a status you have that can be separated from how you actually live. So your, your sins are forgiven, you're gonna go to heaven, God You saved you from hell, and, and all this, but it doesn't necessarily change the way someone actually lives tomorrow. And that's, a, a separation is completely impossible in a New Testament world. It is certainly true that our sins are forgiven and that eternal life in the future is an implication of that. But we have eternal life right now. And that means we're called to rise and walk in a new way right now. There are a couple of barriers to this new way of life. One, as with the man by the pool of Bethesda, is our own self-pity and our perverse enjoyment of our spiritual paralysis. We'd often rather say me, all these things have happened to me, and I just can't rise above them, than to accept grace and to move on into the new life that Jesus has for us. <clears throat> Jesus asks each of us also, do you want to get well? It's a question we should reflect on again and again and again. The second and related to the first is our own refusal to forgive. The Lord's Prayer has certain implications. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. This means that when Jesus says to us, your sins are forgiven, we have to turn around and say to others, I forgive you. If we enter into this economy of grace, it must operate and touch over everything we do. We, we can't keep it for ourselves. I don't think we're aware fully that we pray the Lord's Prayer, that if we're not forgiving others, we're actually praying not to be forgiven. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So if we're holding a grudge, we're saying, Lord, since I won't forgive that person, don't forgive me. We think about that a little bit. But it's related to our healing, because... Forgiveness means being set free from our own guilt and also from the bondage of what others have done to us and our either our our victimization, our poor me, this half to me, I can't get beyond it, or our, our sense of woundedness, or our bitterness, our need to get back at somebody, make them pay. And so we must forgive, which I think means essentially two things. It means, first, that we surrender our right of retribution. That that rather than needing to get back at someone, we will let that go. Now, the New Testament makes clear we let that go to God. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay. St. Paul quotes that. So we forgive, we let justice go into his hands. Because we're not very just. That's the main reason we have to do that. If we, when we have, we take it into our hands to administer retribution, we, the end result is not usually what you see in Revelation. True and just are thy judgments. When we do it, we tend to be imbalanced. we over over exact, and we're never righteous because we're not just looking for the highest good, we're looking for our own satisfaction. So we have to give up our right of retribution, let God take care of that. And secondarily, I think, and and equally importantly, we have to give up our own need for anything to be different than it is. We have to accept what God has done and, and accept that God can bring his order and beauty out of our current chaos rather than continually living in what might have been if it had gone a different way. We have to accept... The good that God has given us, rather than the good we may have wanted. And if we don't do these things, we can't move on. We remain paralyzed, stuck. And I should note, to to say more about this, because it's significant, this is part and parcel of accepting that Jesus is Lord. If we believe that God is sovereign, in control of everything, then we have to believe he's sovereign, in control of our lives. And to hold on to some past thing, needing to control life, is to say to, to, to um, God, to Christ, I know you make all things work together for good for those who love you, but not my life. I don't believe you can do that here. My wound is the incurable one. My harm is the one that, that, that cannot be overcome. So to accept that Jesus is Lord means to let go and to trust and to move on. So to accept our own forgiveness and then to forgive others and let them go. Our life of prayer makes the most sense if we see it as remembrance and practice. We hear that our sins are forgiven so that we can live in a new way, but as we enter into life, we're constantly pulled back into our own identity and patterns of behavior. Jesus says, Your sins are forgiven, but as we enter into life, a lot of people may remind us of all the things we've done. Jesus says, Rise and walk, but as we enter into life, we're pulled by old patterns and habits. And so it takes a pattern of training to learn new habits. And we call this pattern of training the life of prayer. We come to the altar of God each week to remember who we are, to remember again that our sins are forgiven, and to remember again. To go forth and practice walking in new ways. And this is the point of daily prayer. We, we need to rise in the morning and pray. Remember who we are. Remember that our sins are forgiven. To remember to enter into life that way. We need to learn to pause during the day. Noonday is a good time. To remember. We pause, say the Lord's Prayer. Remember who we are. Remember our sins are forgiven so we can continue to live At the end of the day, we need to come back because we've forgotten. We need to remember again, especially as we enter back into our families so we can live in that right way. St. Paul says, pray without ceasing, but that unceasing prayer is cultivated by these habits that bring us back to God at all times. We are becoming what God has declared us to be in baptism through faith. It will be completed on the day of resurrection. It began in baptism through faith, and now we're becoming what we truly are. We are learning to accept our forgiveness, to accept grace. We are learning to forgive others. The church and her life of prayer and the community in which we live is, is our school. This means that we are continually learning to hear and apply the gospel in new ways to new areas of our life. Jesus says to you again today, your sins are forgiven, rise and walk. In what new way today is he calling you to accept his grace? What person or persons is he calling you to forgive? Jesus says, rise and walk. How will you begin to act differently this week? What new pattern of behavior will begin to change? This is the essence of the Christian life, to remember continually, your sins are forgiven, rise and walk. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. While we have time, let's do good.